Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast... It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America, a fraternal financial organization that can help you plan for your family's future. Give Hector a call today, 940-453-3490. Also, of course, Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law will fight that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast, version 181, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. We've got a lot we will get to on this version of the podcast. You had an article in the Dallas Morning News that I haven't even seen, so we're about to reveal that. We've got Dax Slump. We've got Todd Archer. We've got some interesting things on a trip around the block. But all of that is made possible by our fine sponsors, much like Hector, Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America, 940-453-3490. We've been telling you about what he can help you do for a while now, but the reality of it is he can lay out a plan to help you save and prepare for your future. It's as simple as 10% of every check going into savings, establishing that emergency fund, and then basically diversifying and finding a second account in a way that you can put stuff into your future right now. And Hector can lay all that out for you in a way that makes sense and is proven to work. Well, I think the thing about it is with Hector is that he's all about creating a plan, man. If there's a plan that's in place for you to save and it can put you on a path that you want to be on, who wouldn't take that deal, bro? And so what he does is whether you want to be aggressive, super aggressive, whether you want to be conservative, whether you want to be somewhere in the middle, he devises a plan that you can follow. If you follow it, dude, it's like following Dorothy down the yellow brick road. It leads you to eyes. It does indeed. His name is Hector Flores. His number, 940-453-3490. It doesn't cost anything to meet with him. It's a non-fee-based thing, so you can get with him, let him lay out a plan, and show you how he can help you plan for you and your family's future. Make that call today to Hector, 940-453-3490. As always, of course, greeting law. Robert Greening and his attorneys, the Green team right there at Greening Law. If you've been hurt in a car accident like I was, or you've experienced malpractice, you were hurt on the premises of a business, there's a lot of different ways where you may not exactly know how to navigate what comes next. Let them handle that for you. They are your legal competitor against the insurance companies. And if that is something that you are dealing with, you need to give them a call and I would do it as soon as you hear it. Right now, I would pick up the phone, explain your situation, make that call. 
dude, the thing about, again, when you're talking about grinning lawyers, one, it costs nothing to pick up the phone, which you all should know by now. But secondly, they listen to your case. And if they take you on as a client, you've hit a homer. Why? They don't get paid unless you get paid. You hear that? They don't get paid unless you get paid. They're working for you. They're grinding for you. They're doing everything they can to make it happen for you. And when it gets done, bro, you should be happy. Exactly. And again, the call is free. It, it acts, the consultation is free. It, calls, it costs you nothing. So you can call, explain what's going on with you, and they'll let you know if they've got if you've got something they can work with. That's what I did, and they took my case. 972-934-8900. Call them now. 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. So you had a fancy little article in the Dallas Morning News, did you? Why got, why got to be a little article, man? Okay, it's probably a large article. I don't know. That's that's what women say. Where are you and your little friends going? (laughs) What's going on with you and your little party? How come you haven't cleaned up your little game room? That's what women do, bro. (laughs) This is a true story. Uh, I did this. I do this event often with Clarence Hill Jr. on Thursdays. We go out to. uh, Lately, we've been out at Ella B's. We usually have a Cowboys player with us. Uh, sometimes it's a, it's it's usually the Newey Scruggs or Calvin Watkins joins us and we talk about football. So I saw a high school classmate of mine at the deal. She used to be a cheerleader. Name is Tari. She still looks great. Nice. I walk, and I see Tari every now and then. So it's not like I never see her. I see her probably five or six times a year. So I go up to her and I go, hey, what's up, girl? How you doing? She goes, hey, um, how's your little show doing today? Oh, no. And I go, and I go why it got to be a little show, girl? Why it got to be a little show? Why can't it be a grown folks show? And so my point is, I treat you the same way I treated her. That you just can't say it's a little show. Because that's what women do to dismiss us. Oh, me? my goodness. I didn't mean to dismiss you. Uh, Usually you I read your articles. Clear. I just didn't see this one today because, you know, I've been gone most of the day. Got home, immediately squeezed in a workout, and then just sat down to do the podcast. I apologize. Uh, well, clearly I'm carrying around a lot of baggage these days. Jeez, I guess so. <laughs> God. So, I pulled up your article. Oh, okay. So, here we think? go. Well, what I haven't think? started reading it yet. I just opened it. Okay. But the headline. Okay. okay. Yeah, what's the headline? The Dallas Cowboys are championship caliber, just not for reasons everyone thought. Okay. That's not bad. Okay. Intrigued. Says, game-changing plays when games in the NFL and the Dallas defense has provided. Oh, this is yeah, going to be great because your first line, what you're about to read sounds absurd. You know, <laughs> that's not usually the way I start. I, I like, I like, <laughs> I like this. Matt, Matt seems to enjoy this. No, I do because you started. This is great. What you're about to read sounds absurd, but it's not the result of too many cocktails or smoking the kinds of cigarettes that are legal in Nevada, California, and a few other states. It's actually the result of sport being fluid and what's true in August, not necessarily being true in December. So here it goes. The Dallas Cowboys have a championship caliber defense. Wow. Boom. How about that? God, that's, that's you, you put them on the table. <laughs> hmm. But then you got to go into why, bro. Yeah. And okay. So I'm reading this and, and you know, there's a lot of, this is true because of, and we kind of talked about this after the game the other day, the amount of playmakers. And one thing that I like about this defense, they have playmakers at all three levels of the defense. And so they can punish you in a variety of different ways if you make a mistake. But as you point out in your article here, talking about in the playoffs, and make no mistake about it, Dallas is going to be in the playoffs. 
Whereas you right. point out, they will play against some of the NFL's best quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford. They're going to have to beat a couple of those guys if they want to get where they want to go. And as you say, those guys aren't going to provide a lot of opportunities to make a big play. So when they make a mistake, the Cowboys got to take advantage of it. No, it's exactly right, man. It's um, the, the game to me has always been about making plays and playmakers. The more playmakers you got, the better you have a chance to win. No different than, than on offense when the Cowboys were really good. Um, you know, pick a number of times when they were really good. Mm-hmm. Um, on offense, they had superstars at different spots who could make a play and change a game instantly. If you don't have those guys, it's hard to win at the highest level. Yeah. I mean, look at the Chiefs. They win the Super Bowl. Whether, how do they do it? With Pat Mahomes, with Tyreek uh, Hill, and with um, Travis Kelsey, for the most part, on offense, creating play after play after play after play after play. Um, so that's what you got to have. Now, you look at this Cowboys defense, and it's not just this week. They got playmakers, man, and they got them all on the field. And to me, when you're playing the best teams, you're not going to get a lot of chances to make plays, so you got to take advantage of them when you have them. And they got guys who can make plays and change a game in an instant, bro. And I think that's, uh, that's what makes them a contender right now. I would agree with you. And as you point out, they are second in the NFL. They have 27 takeaways. Indianapolis has 29. But it's their most takeaways through the first 13 games since 1999. And as you talk about, and this is an important thing, the, they're actually leading the points. They have five defensive touchdowns this season but the part of it is as well is when the offense is not working and operating as efficiently as you want it to be it's nice when you can give them some short fields to operate with and the Cowboys are doing that multiple times hell they had four takeaways the other day and if the offense can't score the Cowboys defense is helping them giving them short fields and that was a frustration they gave them one short field the other day I mean you are already in field goal range when they got the the takeaway and the Cowboys right. offense couldn't do anything but at least it gave you three points yeah and you know that's what we're talking about man because the games are so close in the playoffs and we can use Washington because Washington's the first time that they had basically all their guys that they really want to play now we all know Washington got a raggedy Rudy Poot offense okay we also know that their offensive line was supposed to be actually pretty good. It's the skill position people in the quarterback situation that was shady. Well, they destroyed that offensive line that was supposed to be pretty good. Okay, but look at the playmakers, bro. Look at how that game was 3 nothing, and the offense is kind of dragging, and we're like, man, they got a chance to take control of this game and make Washington one-dimensional and really turn up the heat. What happens? Randy Gregory tips the ball with his left hand, spins around, finds it, catches it, intercepts it, sets up Amari Cooper's touchdown. Mm-hmm. All right? Then it's, man, it's 11 nothing. How long are they going to let them hang around? One more touchdown, and now they're really one-dimensional. They could do some work. Fourth down. Michael Parsons burst in, sack, forced fumble. Uh, your boy Dorrance Armstrong pick it up, 37-yard touchdown, 18 nothing. Ball game's basically over. Or is it, Matt? Fourth quarter, how does this game 27-20? How the hell did this happen? <laughs> Are they really going to let them drive and tie yeah. this thing up with this raggedy-ass offense? No, because Randy Gregory says, hey, did somebody in the stand say anybody, somebody, make a play, anybody? Oh, I think, hey, here I am, watch me. And he goes and makes a play. Sack, forced fumble, Cowboys recover, ball game. 
That was about defensive playmakers saying, yo, at various times of the game, here's an opportunity. Let me go get something done. And they're doing that. And as, as you point out, we talked about this a couple of times earlier this year. They looked at this defense last year and said things had to change. And it was more than just, okay, Mike Nolan's done. Let's get Dan Quinn in here. You look at the guys that have played the most snaps on this defense. And for the obviously, Trayvon Diggs was here last year and Tank was here. He had, even though he hasn't played the by far the most snaps because he's been injured. But you look at how many new faces they brought in. They did it through the draft. They did it through free agency. Most of these guys that they brought in are dudes that are making plays that weren't even here last year, and they did an incredible job, really, of, of scrubbing away what that was last year and starting fresh. Yeah, um, and see, that's the big thing. Like, we all want to point to, hey, there's Dan Quinn and not Mike Nolan. Well, obviously, that plays a key role in it. But, dude, they got better players. They got more talent. And um, the fact that you have more talent makes you a better coach, makes you a better defense. I mean, go back and look at this. Neville Gallimore picks up the center and walks him back before he throws him to the side and sacks the quarterback. I'm just asking, when's the last time you saw a defensive tackle do that for the Cowboys? I'm just asking. Been a while. Dude, I can't. I know it's, I know it's happened, but I can't remember that type of bull rush from the – I'm not talking about a swim move or finesse. I'm talking about just at the snap, I'm just going to walk you back and take the quarterback, which is, you know, power and speed and all this other stuff. We haven't seen that, bro. And so they got playmakers and they got young guys, you know, doing it. And so when you look at the defense, um, the way they transformed it, um, picking guys who fit the scheme and what I love best uh, Mike Quinn allowing guys to be creative in the scheme. Oh, Trayvon Diggs, you're our best corner by far. Guess what, fella? You following everybody this year. You know, Micah Parsons, you can do a lot of things, dog. We're not going to put you in the box. We're going to let you do whatever it is you can do. We're going to scheme you the way offenses scheme their best player. We're going to put you here, attack here, take care of the weak spot. We're going to put you in position to thrive. And then those guys go out and do it. Even J. Ron Kirsch, man, he's been a bum and a scrub his whole career, so to speak. He's actually he's a good player here. Why? He's in the right system, understands his talent, took advantage of it, and now he plays with a confidence level that I swear if you ask him, he didn't have it at those other places because they didn't use him this way. Yeah, it's something, man, because the dudes that they brought in are making plays and getting it done, and then you finally get to see – I mean, look, Mike, Micah Parsons, if – other teams, if anybody realized Micah Parsons was this, he'd have been taken in the top three picks. I mean, okay. you're talking about a potential generational defensive player. All right, I'm going to stop you for one second so we can have a quick exit ramp discussion on this. Okay. What do I always say about that? Would another team, whoever drafted, right. say the Giants. There's no way to know, right. Would they have lined him up at different spots and let him go and be the creative dude that he was, that Dan Quinn has done? I don't know, bro. And so it makes sense. And I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying right. it doesn't whenever we do it's the TJ Watt thing. Okay, the Cowboys draft TJ Watt. TJ Watt, but they ain't no three four teams. So is he wreaking havoc? Well, not if he's really playing a four three defensive end. If they're creative and they stand him up and let him do his thing, then yeah. But hell, who knows if they're going to do that? Yeah, that's true. And, and again, he was the first linebacker taken. Other teams right. identified other needs. And obviously, if Patrick Sertan had been there, he, he probably would be a Cowboy and Michael Parsons <laughs> would not. 
That's just reality yeah. of what happened. And, you know, I thought this was interesting because we had talked about this again leading into the season. What would we get from a healthy Randy Gregory, a dude that finally Bro. is is going through a normal offseason, going through with health, going through in a mental space that works for him? And we're seeing that. And I thought this was interesting. I saw this on Twitter earlier today. When you look at pass rush per center or, or percentage and the amount of pressure that those two guys are getting – Micah Parsons is getting pressure on 22% of his snaps. Randy Gregory getting pressure on 17. They lead the NFL. The Cowboys have the two best dudes at getting pressure on their percentage of snaps in the NFL. And I thought, you see that, and you're just like, my God. And what's wild is that Randy Gregory's only played something like 300 snaps this season. Or 315, I think, is what it is. Right. Um, Dude, it's, it's why I wrote what I wrote. Because what's the biggest, um, what's the thing that, that most affects quarterbacks, bro? It's pressure. The only way you beat Tom Brady, the only way you beat Tom Brady is to rush with four and pressure him and drop seven. Mm-hmm. That's the only way. That's the only formula we've ever seen to beat Tom Brady and make him normal. Because like every other dude, he don't enjoy getting a hit, hit. So if the Cowboys have those two as two of the best pass rushers in the league, and they're adding Tank Lawrence, who hasn't played, you know, because he's been hurt. All of a sudden, you should have one of the best and most consistent pass rushers in the league. What do pass rushers lead to, man? They lead to turnovers because quarterbacks make mistakes under duress. And all of a sudden, you have a secondary now, aside from Anthony Brown, that typically doesn't drop the ball. And so now you get turnovers. I mean, I'm telling the truth. It's fair. That's fair. I mean, you're not and wrong. So, you get, so you're getting turnovers now. You're getting pressure. You're making plays. You're getting negative plays, tackle for lot. All these things that short-circuit drives mm-hmm. because you got playmakers, man. That's the bottom line. And so that's what makes them dangerous. And if this offense ever pulls its head out of its collective ass, and we hope that it's soon, but there's no guarantee that it will, um, dude, they're going to be a tough ass out. No doubt. I mean, if the offense comes around a little bit, this is a damn nice team. It's a big if. They've got four games to figure that out, of course. Did you see John Mashoda just put this up on Twitter, breaking down where Micah Parsons has lined up? 321 snaps on the defensive line, 396 at linebacker, 20 at cornerback, and one at safety. I don't remember the cornerback snaps. That must have been like five wide or something. It could be. I mean, there's one. He's got him <laughs> as one snap at, at Washington uh, as a as a cornerback. And just, you know, like th- two here, three there or whatever. I mean, obviously, it's mainly right, the front right, right. seven. But the point being, going back to the Dan Quinn idea of what other teams have done this, who knows? But Dan Quinn figured out very early on he's got a jack of all trades and a dude that can really be utilized in a variety of ways. And he's using that guy. And it's fun. I mean, like I said the other day after the game, it's weird. I didn't expect this, but I get excited when the other team has the ball because watching Micah Parsons is a hell of a lot more fun than watching most of the guys on the offense right now. No, dude, it is right now. That's just that's just the way it is, man. It's no um, – I mean, it's just the way it is because they're playing lights out on defense. Um, and, again, I'm going to say it one more time. They're playing lights out on defense – because they got all these playmakers, man. And see, like, we, and I'm going to tell you, all laugh and chuckle if you want to, because I know our guy, Gary Thomas from, from uh, Alabama, the guy who often says, 
I know everything, or I'm always right. Oh, calling him out. Watch out. I, th- I think it's I'm always right. Now, he can't stand Jordan Lewis. Jordan Lewis too small, gets beat too much. And I'm not really disagreeing with him about him being a small player. How could you disagree with him about that? Yeah, he is small. <laughs> and he, and he <laughs> does mean, give up some plays. He does. <laughs> but as we discussed, even on the last one, Will McClay likes him because he's so competitive mm-hmm. and because – he is a playmaker. And I'm not just talking about him punching out the ball the other day, which was a really nice play. If you go back and look at plays per snap, you know, big plays per snap, splash plays per snap, yeah. he's at the top in terms of average because he's a playmaker. The ball seems to find him. He's always around the ball. And the more guys you have like that on your team, the better. Because here's what I always thought was one of the biggest fallacies in the NFL. Oh, we teach, you know, we, we do these turnover drills. You can do as many turnover drills as you want to, man. Some dudes find the ball, some dudes don't. Get more guys who in their career, high school, college, NFL, find the ball, and I guarantee you, you'll have more turnovers than a, than a guy who never found the ball in high school, college, or the NFL. And, you know, Byron Jones is always the great case for that. Really good player. He was never a guy who created a lot of turnovers. Why you think he going to come to the NFL and do that? He ain't. But there's guys true. in college who create turnovers. They get to the league and they still create one, like the Honey Badger. Yep. It just happens, man. That's the way it is, and that's what some of these guys the Cowboys have on defense this season have done and done consistently. So I wanted to get into this Dak slump bit, but before we do that, let, let's tell you, of course, about Bruce Biltong. Have you had yours? I had some today. I had a good workout, and I immediately went, and I was like, mm, Bruce Biltong. And some of you, maybe you haven't understood, Biltong is not beef jerky. It's like beef jerky, but it's a traditional air-dried South African meat, no artificial ingredients, no sugar, crazy high in protein. You can get the, they sell these little two ounce bags that are 240 calories and 30 grams of protein. I love them. It's more savory. It's more tender. I think hands down, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how, once you have biltong, I don't know how you ever go back to beef jerky. I'm serious. (laughs) No, I feel you, dog. It's tough, dog. I mean, it's tough for real just because um, it's so savory. It's so tender. And we're not – I'm telling you, you got to try it. Um, I really get down with the sliced uh, biltong. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, dude, it's succulent. That's really, to me, is the best way to describe it uh, because it's got some juice in it. Beef jerky, which I'm a big fan of, it's just a little drier, man, and yeah. so it stays in your teeth. Uh, you need two glasses of water instead of one. And uh, that's why I'm a Biltong guy. It is Bruise Biltong. That is the place to get it. B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. BruiseBiltong.com. And when you go to the website, peruse it, get the one that you like, get a couple of different packages of it. They'll ship it right to your door. And keep in mind, make sure you use that promo code JAM15, J-A-M-15, and you get 15% off your order. I'm telling you, I think you guys are going to love this. We are the only podcast that works with Bruce Biltong. We're it. The first and only one that he sponsors. You guys, you've given him a great response. He loves it. And we love this stuff, man. I love it myself. I get a couple of bags a month that I go through. Find them online, bruisebiltong.com, promo code JAM15. Also, of course, we've been telling you about them for a long time, and that is Blue Star Motor Group. And I, I say this, and it's a reminder, maybe you just need to hear it. Maybe you haven't been ready to buy a car, but as you approach the end of the year, or maybe that's your goal for 2022 is to get a new vehicle, you need to check in with Blue Star Motor Group. You need to give Deb a call, shoot her a text, 817 817- 
881-4066. Make sure you touch base with them in your car buying process. You, you absolutely need to do that because they're going to be fair with you and they'll tell you straight up, here's what we can do and they'll work with you to make sure you get a great deal. No, they're fantastic, man. Uh, Deb and Mike, they rock. And, you know, I love Deb because um, she's a decision maker, man. There's no finance manager she's got to talk to. Right. Nobody like that. She can go make a deal, man, whenever she, whenever she wants to, whenever it feels good. And what I love about it most is at the end of the day, when the contracts are signed, the handshakes are done, they want everybody to feel like it's a win-win. You're not like, ah, man, they got me. Or I didn't, I didn't realize it was going to be this thing built into the price. No, nah, man, it's a win-win deal. That's what they strive for. That's what their business is built on. That's why you should give them a call. BlueStarMotorGroup.com. Swing by the website. Check out their inventory. They always have phenomenal deals, whether it's a truck that you're looking for, like the 2018 Toyota Tacoma TRD off-road 4x4 that they have. Barely has 50,000 miles on it. They've got that thing for under 38,000. They've got a 2019 Honda Accord on here for a phenomenal deal that barely, it doesn't even have 22,000 miles on it yet. That is a really nice car, really nice ride, by the way. If you're looking for something for the holiday season, check them out. BlueStarMotorGroup.com. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, again, you can give her a call, 817-881-4066, 817-881-4066. So this thing with Dak, I think it's interesting. Because there seems to be a weird disagreement somewhere. And, and we will have Todd Archer here in a bit on the podcast on this episode. And we were talking with them last week. And, you know, Jerry goes on the flagship station in Dallas once, twice a week. And they talk to him. And he, and he says things that you guys have told everybody. You know, he, Jerry's not just making that up. He's saying what he hears when he's sitting in on coaches' meetings, when they're having these conversations behind closed doors at the Star. So when Jerry goes on the flagship today and goes, I don't want to say that slump, but that's probably fair. He's hearing that somewhere. He has the opinion that he's heard from different guys in the building that something's going on with Dak. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, um, can I tell you something, Matt? I don't think you got to be in the building to know that. Right. I I think you could just look at the games and see that the quarterback is not playing at the high level that he did earlier. Um, I wouldn't say he's trash. I wouldn't say he's bad. I'd say he's average, slightly above average right now, depending on which game you're talking about. But he's clearly not playing to the level that he was. And that, to me, that's the deal. He's got to get back to playing at, at a really high level. And when he does, then the Cowboys' offense will take off again. But uh, until that, man, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things to look at here where I think it's interesting because Jerry also goes on to say he missed a lot of time in training camp. He missed a lot of time early with that calf injury, and some will say, well, his mechanics are off a little bit. His feet and his motion aren't quite where they thought they ought to be. I hear all that, and by the way, that's been discussed, but is there merit to it? I don't think so. So these are things, you know, he he's aware of what's going on, but the reality of it is something is off with Dak in in. I can't imagine that it's the calf. Everybody seems to think that he's healthy, but his numbers pre-calf and his numbers post-calf are drastically different. I mean, drastically different to the point where the six games before, you're talking about a dude that had 16 touchdowns, four picks. In the six games since, eight touchdowns, six interceptions, and his completion percentage was 73% the first six games of the year. He has the calf. He comes back, and it's dropped 10%. He's completing 63% of his passes in the last six weeks. Sounds like he's still hurt to me. 
You know what I mean? And I'm not, I'm not, you know, clearly he's playing, but I mean, you, we guys, we see him. Does he look right to you? Doesn't look right to me. Right. Um, it just seems like, um, and you know, your calf, until you've hurt your calf, man, you'd be shocked at all the things your calf is involved in doing. <laughs> um, your calf is involved in throwing in terms of pushing off and dropping back and all yeah. this other stuff. And you don't know what he's feeling while he's playing. So, yeah, he's healthy enough to play. But, you know, I, I guarantee you when the season's over, whenever it's over, he'll be like, oh, well, you know, now this is over. Yeah, the calf was doing this, the calf was doing that. You know, I had to get it treated, you know, 10 hours a day to make it out to the games and all this other stuff. Um, or, you know, he still got some discomfort with the dislocated ankle um, that he did, that forced him to miss so much time last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, so, I mean, I don't know what the answer is, but I would bet you it's one of those and that's and that he's, uh, you know, he's fighting through it. But uh, until you can get it done, bro, it's just hard to get it done. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things. So you hear Jerry say that. And then, of course, Mike McCarthy says, I wouldn't say a quarterback is having a slump. It's different in football. A lot of things go into it. I don't think Dak is in a slump. And, of course, not everything has gone the way we want. We got to improve and this and that. And then Kellen Moore comes out and, and basically echoes that slump. I don't know if I like the description of that. Sometimes you have better games than others. Dak is doing a great job, but we got to be better as a whole group. I've got to call it better and all that. And, and so it's just interesting where all of us are watching this and go, clearly, this quarterback is not the quarterback that was there in the first six games. The quarterback we've seen in the last six games has been an average guy that has made some mistakes, that has made some poor decisions. And the quarterback we saw in the first six games of this season was on pace to win the damn MVP of the league. Yeah, and that's a matter of... Um... Can he get it back? So he's done it. You know what I mean? So we know that he can do it again. It's just a matter of can he and will he. And um, that to me is the question. Uh, I think a lot of it, and I, I think Dak was telling the truth, Some, a lot of it's in his own head. And so, you know, once he, um, once he gets out of his head, it's all good. The problem is can he get out of his head because it's about pressing, it's about confidence, it's about all those other things, man. That is a problem, and right now we haven't seen that because he just hasn't been good. He just hasn't. We're all aware of that. We all saw that. We get it. The offense is clunky. You know, there was some guy today. I saw Zeke's mom on Twitter. Some dude tweeted at her, you know, Zeke's washed up and Tyron's done and all this crap, and Zeke's not going to rush. I thought this was interesting. He was like, Zeke's not even going to get to 1,000 yards this year. And I was looking at this. I was like, I don't know. That is kind of wild because he's at 810 right now. He needs... 190 yards in the next four games, which is less than 50 yards a game, to crack 1,000 yards this season. I thought, man. Now, he's banged up, and he is obviously not right. And the way that this run game has been, you know, hopefully Pollard can come back this weekend and and offer a little something. And that's the one thing about this team that I wonder over the last month of the season, will they find a way for the offense to be a little bit more efficient, especially moving the ball on the ground? Um, I think that's, uh, I mean, I think a lot of that's about the offensive line, man. Um, I think it's can they, um, can they get it going where it should be? Can they get guys playing at a high level? Um, can they get guys, how about this, man? Can you just get guys who are consistent? Um, until then, I just think it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, I, I, I would agree, and, and that's the one concern, the, the thing that concerns me the most 
I mean, if Dak comes back and starts playing like he did in the first six weeks, then, then maybe it eases my concern on the run game. I just wonder, I don't think you're getting the one seed and you're going to have to go on the road in the playoffs. And if you can't run the football, that's going to make life in the playoffs and advancing very difficult for you. Dude, we all know that, man. Like, here's the deal. You got to be able to run it when you want to run it. Right, right. I mean, that's the only time. Now, you got to run it any other time. You just got to be able to run it when you want to run it. If you could do that, then it's all good. If you can't, nah, you got a problem. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. But, yes, Jerry is right. Something I would say Dak is in a slump. And as you pointed out, it might, it might have been after the game the other night, you know, Pat Mahomes was in a slump for a huge part of this season. He is not anymore, and he's tearing things up. And so that's the way that this goes. But he's got to get out of this, and he needs to get out of it sooner rather than later. The good news is, is that you've got the Giants and you've got Washington to work on before you have to worry about running into Arizona. But they've got four games, and the offense has got four game sample size to figure this thing out and to see if they can move forward. They just got to be better. They, they have to. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't have the answers. I wish I did. <laughs> I'd call Kellen. I'd, I'd, I'd blow up the star and be like, hey, hey, come on, come on. Pick up, pick up, pick up. And I'd keep calling, and they'd finally be like, okay, what's the deal? I'd be like, look, I figured it out. And Kellen be like, my God, you're a genius. I'm like, thank you. I play a lot of Madden. Then you'd be making a bunch of money. <laughs> exactly right. I would. But, you know, one of the things that you have to watch out for that can cost you a lot of money is your foundation. Like, if you have foundation problems, that's something you don't ever want to mess with. That is why Aaron and his guys, a local family-owned place, HFX Foundation Solutions exist, because they can come in and give you an honest assessment. They can look at it. It's a free, no-obligation inspection. If you've noticed some of those things, the cracks, the sloped floor, stuff like that starting to happen with your home, you do not want to mess around with that. Texas is notorious for how bad foundations can be. The moment you notice a sign, I would just call Aaron and be like, hey, man, this is what I'm seeing. And he may not know if you have a problem or not, but he'll come out there himself and inspect it. Free, no obligation inspection to make sure if there is a problem, you caught it at the earliest stage possible. Dude, I mean, that's what uh, that's why we call it a colonoscopy for your house. I mean, you get everything checked out. If it's all good, it's time to pop bottles and have a great time. And if there's an issue, then you see what the issue is. Chances are you caught it early, which means it costs a fraction of what it is of what it would if you caught it late. And then you go to work, man. Yeah. And so there you have it. It, it's, that's, it really is that simple. Give them a call. Get that peace of mind. Something like your foundation, you want to catch as early as possible if there is a problem. They do offer third-party financing. They can get you taken care of. Chances are you have Aaron come out and he goes, hey, I see what you're talking about. You're good. But if not, they'll be with you every step of the way to make sure you get taken care of. It's HFX Foundation Solutions, 817-770-0174 or online at hfxfoundation.com. Also, of course, JR and his guys at Freeway Tire Shop where Jacques has been 90 million times. And right now, we just had a guy tweet a picture at us. He is at Freeway Tire Shop, A-Ray, on Twitter, sent a picture. He goes, look where I am. I'm like, yep, right there, Freeway Tire Shop in the background. <laughs> Hell yeah. And uh, that's why, because you can trust JR, man. JR is great at everything. 
And uh, I trust him to get my car fixed. I trust him to find out what's wrong with it. I trust him to do everything he can to make it a fantastic thing. That's exactly right, man. That's what they do. They will get you taken care of, whether it's something like you. I mean, you've had all kinds of work done in your vehicles there, or it could be something as an oil change, tires, what have you. JR is going to get you taken care of. The mechanic you can trust who stands behind his work, we are telling you this. JR and his guys at Freeway Tire Shop just north of downtown Dallas. Schedule your appointment or request a quote online at freewaytireshop.com. So let's take a trip around the block. And I found a story. This this blows my mind. I don't understand it. It seems fake. I, 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 I don't know how to explain this to you. They are making a house in Collin County that will be the first in the area created with a 3D printer. How are they doing that? That's what I'm saying. Apparently, it's some firm, and they are using cutting-edge technology to create a concrete house. It uses a massive 3D printing machine to build the three-bedroom, two-bath house that is actually, I don't know, my brother got married here. If any of you are familiar with, it's pronounced in Texas, it's pronounced Nevada, the town of Nevada, which is just east of Lake Levon up there, you know, kind of north of like the Wiley Saxe area. And right. they are building a house with the freaking massive 3D printer. <laughs> I still don't get this. And I've read the article a couple of times trying to make it make sense. This is nuts. He says it's pioneering technology. It's the first time this process has been used in the DFW area at all. All of the walls of the house will be made out of a out of concrete with a 3D printer from a company in Minnesota. So the walls for the house will be extruded concrete laid down layer upon layer by a computer guided printer. Wow. It's just I can't what? <laughs> now they say that the total printing time could be something like 48 hours. Our time will span across the week. In one day we will print about 12 to 16 inches and then stop of concrete Jeez. this is so nuts so the computer controlled machine lays down the concrete interior and exterior walls and then a wood rafter roof system will be added to the house and he goes then we simply apply stucco to finish the walls and make it look nice and it costs <laughs> less than a normal home in collin county unbelievable man. i i, I unbelievable. don't there's a picture of this and i still don't get how it works i mean this is this is insane this is absolutely insane, where they just come and set up this giant-ass printer, and it lays down the concrete and builds your house like you would print. I mean, 3D printers are nuts as they are. Now we're making freaking houses out of this? <laughs> I mean, this is nuts, dude. He says that it'll take decades for the 3D printing construction model to take a larger share in housing production. He says, in the future, we'll be able to make the houses using these machines. All of the houses being built now are kind of like a test. I mean, that's wow. how it's going to be. Hey, I want a house. And then somebody just shows up with a printer. Yeah, print me one right here, please. <laughs> and then a week later, there it is. My God, technology. I don't even know what to think of where technology is going in this world. And we're going to be alive for some funky shit, man. <laughs> I'm just saying we are. You know it's true. I mean, it's it's hard to believe, bro. I, I, I just... It, <sighs> A 3D printed house? What are we? This Dude. is insane. I mean, if we can 3D print a house, what's next? Food? Phones? I mean, every, everything, is, everything is wide open. It's crazy. This is one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, seeing the photo of this thing, it just absolutely blows my damn mind. 
And I'm, I, I'm trying. No, seriously, like you see this and you go, there's no way this is a house that somebody can live in, but it is. And I don't know how to explain it to you. I did the best that I could. I could. Elsewhere, wow. here in this trip around the block, and I didn't realize this until the other day because I saw our old buddy Tim Kalashaw tweet something about this. Did you know that Anne Rice, the author, went to Richardson High School? Uh, first off, you got to tell me who Anne Rice is. So Anne Rice, who passed away a couple of days ago at the age of 80, Anne Rice wrote the Vampire Chronicles, including the extraordinarily popular interview with the vampire that was turned right. into a movie with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt and all that type of stuff. I don't know if you ever saw the movie. I don't know if you ever read the book. No, I've heard about it, though. Okay. She also, under pen names, wrote some erotic fiction, including Exit to Eden, which was later adapted into a movie. But anyway, she was, she was like the queen of the vampire genre. I had no idea she went to Richardson High School and originally graduated from Texas Women's University, but she passed away a couple of days ago at the age of 80. Wow. She had quite a career, huh? Yeah, I guess you got to be into vampires. <laughs> Interview with the Vampire is a really good film. I remember that movie when it came out back in the mid-90s. That was a solid film. I never read the book. I'm not a vampire reader guy. Right. I'll watch a vampire movie. You know, I, I, I don't mind some of those movies, but I, I don't know. I'm just not into vampire books, I guess. Well, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you. I like the movies far more than I like the books. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think it got great reviews. Anytime you write something that's memorable, man, that people hold on to. Oh, no doubt. I think, I think it's just, you know, fantastic. That's probably one of those things that, you know, once you make a book like that and you get a movie deal, you're just set for life. Oh, I think so. I, I think would think. I about that. I mean, that's how it worked in Bosch anyway, when they, you know, the fictional world of Bosch and he put out that movie and that's how Bosch got his house and all that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Hell saying yeah. it is. <laughs> So the other thing I wanted to bring up, and I don't know if you ever got into this. I, I doubt it because I was probably 8, 9, 10 when it was really popular. But today, right. you and I are recording this on December 14th of 2021, obviously. I don't know why I said right. the year. We're recording on December 14th. 34 years ago today, on December 14th of 1987, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the cartoon, debuted for the first time ever. Wow. Were you ever into the Turtles at all? I can't no. imagine that you really ever got into that. <laughs> no, but they were, uh, they were amusing. That's what I would say. They, were, they amusing. were amusing. Man, I thought they were badass because there were four of them, obviously, and then Splinter, and they went up against Shredder and all that. And me and my brother just got, we were really into them. I and mean, there was a time, my favorite was Leonardo, and he was the one that wore the blue over his face and had the katana swords. And my brother was a Michelangelo guy who had the nunchucks and all that. But I right. remember like the cartoon came out and it just became all the rage. I mean, you had to have the turtles. You had to have all the toys and all that. And we had those. And I remember the movie came out. I want to say the movie might have come out in 1990, I believe, in the spring. Originally, the original. Yeah, it did. OK, March of 1990. We lived in Jackson, Mississippi at the time. And because that's where I went to fourth and fifth grade. So my brother had called a radio station 
one evening and had one tickets to the film like they were going to do a, a you know the the first showing or whatever in Jackson and the radio station was going to be there and it was free tickets and right before the movie starts the actual Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles come out or the you know they're dressed in the costumes or whatever and we the whole place like a bunch of eight to 11 year old kids are just going nuts Right, right, right. And it was awesome. And they came around and they, they're like, hey, who's your favorite turtle? I'm like, Leonardo. You know, and they gave us a free toy and all that. It was badass. At the time, I remember I was like, man, Chris, this is the best thing you've ever done. You won free tickets so that we could come to this movie premiere. <laughs> and it was cool. I mean, as a little kid, you know, something like that, because you know that they're not real, but you kind of still, when you're 10, you can make yourself believe that maybe they are real. Right. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I think the thing about it is, man, it, it, for the time, the technology was pretty good. Everything was pretty exciting. Uh, the action was good. I thought the movies were fine. Cowabunga, dude. Yeah. But, um, you know, outside of that, I mean, you know, you know, I, I thought for the genre that it was, it was as good as it could be. And, um, you know, outside of that, bro, I, I, thought, it's, I thought it's had stand power. Yeah, and I mean, it does. Basically, I said cowabunga, you know? Yeah, I mean, cowabunga and the whole thing about eating the pizzas and they were super chill and Splinter was badass like a rat Mr. Miyagi. I mean, it just worked. Actually, right. I wonder if they, you know, because that came out right. I mean, that came out like a couple years after Karate Kid when that was all the rage. Which, by the way, you know, there's a couple of movies coming out in the next few weeks that are interesting that are both football movies that I can't decide if I want to see them or not because they look cheesy as hell. One of them is that movie star about Kurt Warner. You know what I'm talking about? Dude, that looks too cheesy. That's what I'm saying. It's called, the, uh, it's called American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story. But it has, I mean, Dennis Quaid is in it. Anna Paquin is in it. Zachary Levi is in it. He plays Kurt Warner. And, I mean, it's a big-budget film. It's, it's releasing on Christmas Day. Dude. I, mean, I bet it does pretty well, though. But I was like, man, it looks corny as hell. <laughs> it does. It well, does. I don't know how else act, to say it. The, the actor doesn't look anything like uh, your boy. Um, what's your boy's name? Uh, Kurt, Kurt Warner? Warner. Yeah. Doesn't look anything Hall like Hall of Famer him. Kurt Warner, that guy. And normally you try to get somebody who looks like, but that's not even the case, man. So it's, you know, it's terrible. Yeah. And then the other one, and I don't know if you've seen this at all. But I saw this today. I was like, no way. Like, come on. You didn't do this. And I'm surprised Sean Payton signed off on this. But apparently, they are doing a Sean Payton movie that basically is based on the time that he spent. It's called Home Team. It's going to drop on Netflix in January. And it's based on his year away from the NFL when he got suspended and went back and coached his kid's football team. Wow. Guess who's, <laughs> if you don't know anything about this, guess who's playing Sean Payton? <laughs> Who that? Kevin James. Damn. I saw the preview for this and I go, oh my God, why? Because this actually could have been a good movie, but it's another movie that looks corny as hell. <laughs> I'm like, man, the Saints are a good story. The, this whole thing is probably a good story, but much like the Kurt Warner bit, the, the way that they've made the movie makes it look like something that if you're bored out of your mind, maybe you would stop down and watch this a little bit. I don't know how else to describe I, it. I guess, bro. I guess. 
I'm probably not going to watch it, I'll be honest with you. I am not going to watch it. <laughs> I'll tell you what I am going to watch that comes out next week that I'm excited about is the next Matrix movie, Matrix 4, drops on HBO Max next week. And I am stoked about that. It's called Matrix Resurrections. As a matter of fact, we're going to have to go back and watch the original Matrix trilogy because I don't know if the ladies ever seen them. And I haven't seen two and three in a while. So I figured that would work where you can watch all three of the original Matrix movies and then next, it comes out on the 22nd on HBO Max, just roll right into the Matrix part four where Neo goes back into the Matrix, I guess. And I don't know. Those movies were always badass just because they moved in slow motion and can do all kinds of cool stuff. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I think I watched that uh, a lot more than I would watch those other two. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, so that's one that I've got on my list. And I haven't really been watching a lot of movies lately because we've been plowing through billions, man. We just started season three. And it is, I mean, we're doing, you know, a couple episodes at least, it seems like every day in billions, which I just, I mean, I've talked about it before, but I just can't get enough of that show. That show is incredible. <laughs> It is. It's a great show. I'm glad you told me about it. Well, I think the thing about it is that um, it's it's the writing is fantastic. All the other stuff is sensational, but it never sounds like it. It never sounds like they're acting. It always sounds like it's real dialogue that is coming from real people. That it's that it's authentic. And to yeah. me, man, that's always the best thing you can get from a show. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I would say that that's exactly probably how I would look at it. And it's fantastic. I think it's going to be, uh, as the season wraps up, going on to season three, I'm kind of curious to see like how it goes and all this. I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect, but I just enjoy it. I enjoy it every time that we have an episode to watch, and we've got plenty of them because there's five seasons before you get to the current season, and we just started season three. And we'll probably have to stop a little bit because, you know, we got to watch some Christmas movies and we got to watch The Matrix and then we're going to be out of town. So who knows when we'll, we'll be right, able right, to right. get into it. But all the traveling that I'll be doing you know, coming up next week. I mean, hell, Christmas is 11 days away. <laughs> That's so insane, man. People are going to be listening to this and Christmas is 10 days away. I guess I yep, should buy man. something for somebody. You know, you and me both. Maybe I'll just be like, hey, here I'm here. So... <laughs> Merry Christmas. It's me. Good to see everybody. I don't know. My brother texted me the other day. He's like, what do you want for Christmas? I was like, nothing. Like, I don't, I don't even know what to tell you I want for Christmas. I just want to hang out and have a good time. That's about the size of it. Have you watched Succession at all, by the way? Everybody says it's fantastic, but yeah. I haven't seen it. Okay. I know this is like... I haven't the, seen it. We're hopscotching around, but I just saw somebody point something out on Twitter about that, and I was curious, because I've never seen it either. And they just wrapped up season three. It's nominated. It won last year for Best Drama at the Emmys. And it just got a, a Golden Globe nomination for Best Drama TV Show. So I'm really curious about that. Like, like Billions has never been nominated for anything. And I was surprised by that because I think it's really, really good. And so, and, and granted, not that the awards and the nominations always tell that a show is good, but... You know, if it's winning for best drama, generally speaking, the shows that win for that are, are, are pretty damn solid shows. I mean, hell, even going back to West Wing on NBC years ago, I thought that was a really good show. Well, no, I mean, you know, normally when you win in awards at that level, yeah, the writing's good, the acting's good, everything good. For me, and, you know, a lot of times for you, it's about does the story make sense to you? Is it a storyline that you're interested in following, you know, um, and, and going that route? Because if it is, you'll get into it. And if it's not, 
I mean, it may take uh, like billions. It may take a slow time of the year and some other stuff for you to find. Like, be like, you know what? Okay, I'm gonna ride with this. Yeah, that's kind of how it works, man. But that's just some of those things that you go through this season. And and it's funny because the other day on Saturday we watched we watched Home Alone one, Home Alone two, and then Santa Claus. We just kind of had it playing as we were putting stuff up, and, and we had some people over on Saturday evening and, and getting ready for that. We were just kind of messing with all that stuff, but. I don't know, man. Sometimes like I'm into the Christmas movie thing and then sometimes I'm I've seen this 50 times. Do I want to watch it again right now? <laughs> I know it's Christmas season, but I already know what's going to happen. <laughs> that kind of mentality about it, you know? Um, I'm the kind of guy who doesn't really watch a whole lot of Christmas movies. Yeah, I kind of figured. <laughs> and that's OK. You don't have to. You don't have to watch a lot of Christmas movies. I say to each their own. Oh, I, you know, I'm down with that. Okay. But uh, go ahead. Nothing, nothing. I, I, I was just, you know, you like Christmas movies or you don't. And it's Christmas season. And if you're not going to watch them right now, you're probably not going to get to them this year, I would imagine. <laughs> True that. But I can tell you one thing that you do need to get to. And I saw Steve Mooney the other day that had gone to Smokey John's Barbecue. He tweeted about it and tagged us on Instagram. And it looked like he and his lady had gone and really enjoyed some of the delicious items at Smokey John's. They got the jam session bowl. It's not on the menu. It's a secret menu item, the jam session bowl. He said it was awesome. I was trying to find his message because I had messaged or he had messaged on Instagram. I was going to pull it up and read it to you guys because he had been talking about how good it was. And yeah, because I asked him, I said, how was it? Because he had sent a picture. He goes, the jam session bowl was amazing. So they got that. They also got the Steve White, which he said was fantastic as always. And so I thought that was awesome. And they even got a couple of other things to try. So appreciate the support. Thanks for supporting local. Anybody can get it, man. It's the Jam Session Bowl at Smokey John's Barbecue. When you order it, you get a free drink that comes along with it. It is only available if you listen to the podcast because nobody else even knows it exists, <laughs> which is badass. Also, don't forget, they can get you that sauce or rub as well. The Smokey John's barbecue sauce and the rub. It's available. Great stocking stuffers, man, for Christmas time. You can order that. They'll deliver it to you anywhere that you happen to be. Or you can pick it up in store as well. So if you want it online, SmokeyJohns.com. Click on Smokey's Market. You can order it for delivery or in-store pickup. Of course, right. Christmas. So we were just talking about it. Christmas 10 days away. Get your order in now, man, and grab that, and it'll make a perfect stocking stuffer. If you have somebody in your family that likes to grill out or enjoys trying different things, this will be a home run, I'm telling you, because it's awesome. Dude, it's fantastic. It is really good. That, <laughs> that's, not, that's not the half of it. It is really, really good. The other thing, I was curious, are you into recruiting at all? I mean, you know, I'm a Buckeye, so I, so I follow it. Yeah, but yeah, I uh, mean – it's funny because obviously with what I do now here in Alabama, I mean, it, it is, I mean, they are, it, it, it's, it's like they're blue chew recruiting. They love it. Wow. And it's interesting. I bring this up because Texas A&M and you and I, we're not fans of A&M. I think my thoughts on A&M are, are fairly well known. Texas A&M is about to put together the best recruiting class they've ever had in the history of that program ever. They already have four or five stars committed and I say this because early signing day kicks off tomorrow and it lasts for, for uh, Thursday and Friday. Right. And they are right now, it looks like they're going to have seven or eight five stars that sign with them 
And they're also apparently about to make some moves in the transfer portal where this could be the generational type class that vaults A&M from that, that eight, nine, 10 win ceiling that truly could vault A&M and lay a foundation to be able to compete with the Alabamas and the Georgias on more than just, oh, we beat Alabama. Yeah, but you also lost four other games in your division. The class they are putting together this year, it's impressive. I mean, it really is. And it's that type of class that you circle and you go back and say, that's when it began. Every time you win a national championship or contend for a national championship, it's about a class like that that comes in and takes over. Mm -hmm. And if you can ever put one of those together and keep them together, then you have a shot. You have a shot to win it all, man. Um, and so, you know, that, that's what they're doing, and we'll see. I mean, that's just the first step. You got you to do a lot of other work, but that's the first step toward making it happen. It is, and, and you got to give them props, man, because whatever Jimbo is doing, I mean, it, it is on a different level. And we are talking about, I mean, they have gotten a handful of some of the top recruits in the country that are going to A&M, and there's more on the way. And it's going to be interesting because, obviously, Quinn Ewers, who decided to transfer from Ohio State and is going to Texas, kind of like it seems like that was always the original plan, Sark is putting together a really solid class, which depending on how some of the things go with some of these Texas guys, believe it or not, and this is something because we've had a couple of guys on the show talking about recruiting, they can't believe that coming off of a five and seven season, there's a very good chance Texas winds up with a top five class on the heels Dude. of a five and seven season. And Quinn Ewers doesn't count. He doesn't count in the recruiting rankings. If they can do that and put it all together, I mean, that's what it's all about, bro. Right, yeah. Right. It's about recruiting. I mean, you know, I always say, man, why does IMG come down here and beat the hell out of um, Duncanville? Well, it's easy. They got 22 D1 players and Duncanville's got nine. Yep. You know, when Duncanville plays everywhere, everybody else, Duncanville's got nine and everybody else has got three. It's about players, man. And when you got players, you can win games. And um, the better players you have, the more you can win. It just ain't that complicated, you know? It is. And so we'll see. But Alabama or Georgia has finished number one in the recruiting rankings the last 11 years. Texas A&M has an extremely good chance to wind up with the number one class in the country this season. I mean, they are right there. They were number one a couple of days ago. Then Bama took it back. And depending on how tomorrow goes, we'll see. There's a very good chance Texas A&M winds up with the best class in the country. I mean, it's not even close. This is hands down already the best class A&M's ever had. So we'll see what it means. You got to recruit them. Jimbo's got to develop them. We'll see where it goes from here. But I hate to do it, but I'll give you some props, Aggies, because now you got something. There are no more excuses with this class. If you can't get it done with this class he's pulling in, it's never happening. <laughs> It is time. We do it every week. We stop down with our ESPN Cowboys insider, brought to you as always by BlueStarMotorGroup.com. It is Todd Archer joining us here. And, and Todd, you had the article up today. It was really interesting what we saw against Washington on Sunday, the defense making the plays, the offense continuing to struggle, and this whole thing with Dak being a slump. What do you take away from what we saw in a win against Washington? It's a win, but it's still not satisfying. Like, you know, I, I think 
the expectations are so high, and they want them high, so we're going to keep them high, right? That when they go one of six in the red zone, and okay, you want to say one of five because the last one was just kneeling down, I'll, I'll say one of five. That's still not good. Um, and, and, you know, we talked about it last week. That's not right. Whatever it is, whatever the, the answer is, it's not a good thing. It's either he's not healthy from the ankle and the calf, or he's just not playing well. Neither answer is a good thing for the Cowboys as they're going into these big games down the end of the season when you want to be playing your best. And maybe they can get it going and turn it around, but guys, there, there were probably four passes he should have had intercepted in that game, not just two. Well, how do you think the how do we how do we think we go about fixing this slump? Well, that's not for me to come up with the answer on that one. That's why they pay <laughs> Kellen more than many bucks a year. Mike McCarthy seven and a half million dollars a year. They're the ones who got to fix it. Um, I, I, you know, against Washington, it was obvious early. It was get the ball out of his hands quick, give him some easy throws, and then that didn't really even work. You know what I mean? The, the offense, the first drive was better, uh, but they, you know they got down the red zone and they had to settle for a field goal. Um, but there was like there's a screen. I, I'm sure it was the Zeke. Maybe it was the Corey Clement, where he tried to like 52 mm-hmm. was right in the way, and he threw yeah. right to him, and the guy dropped it. You know what I'm saying? Like so, even like the easy throws. I don't know if he's trying to like hit the 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 grand slam when there's nobody on base, and he's trying to be perfect. I don't think his receivers have helped him. We saw drops from a lot of people in the game. Um, we're there's a cryptic thing that they're saying now about spacing's an issue uh, between the receivers. Like, these aren't new guys. They're just sitting around football. Um, even if CD's in his second year, you know, Dalton Schultz's production's lagged off. Like, everything all at once is kind of falling off, and Dak bears the brunt of it because of the position he plays, the contract he has. So that's why all the attention's on him. I mean, McCarthy didn't want to say it. Jerry kind of did. He is in a slump, but so is everybody in that offense from the coordinator on down. Yeah, and that, that's one of those things that I think is interesting because you look at it offensively, and Jacques and I were talking about this. It, his decision-making has been suspect. The one throw that he threw where Collins intercepted it, you just look at that, and it's, it's just interesting. He seems to be like a split second off here and there in his, his decision-making that's creating some of these problems, holding on to the ball slightly longer at times. It's just, it's been really weird. And your article that you had today at, at ESPN.com talking about him being in a slump in the split from what we saw the first six games, he has the calf. And it's, I mean, it's a completely different guy the last six games. Yeah, it's 16 touchdowns and four picks in the first, Seven, uh, was it seven games of the season for him? Um, I'm pretty sure that's right. In the last six, he's eight touchdowns and six picks. And, and his completion percentage is down 10%. Um, they're, they're not getting the big plays. Are, are teams defending them differently? I guess they're not blitzing as much, and they were just crushing the blitz, blitz early in the season. So maybe that, you know, they're just having hard answers on that. But his separation, the receivers and the separation – that's down. Uh, they're not really getting him a lot of separation. The the, the protection is kind of meh. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. it's not the worst. Um, sorry, the train going by and the police just 
sorry about that. You put that make this you pull out close. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but, but yeah, that's the thing. And even like some of the completions that he's had, it's like, man, that ball wasn't even close. Like it's a simple slant. Why is it on the, put it on the numbers, put it on the body and not, not in front of the guy. There, there's a, a couple throws I'm thinking of, and Jock, you know, the, the view we have from the Washington press box isn't the best, but like where he threw the ball high when he had a receiver underneath and a receiver over the top, and it was like, well, was that for the guy underneath or was that for the guy over the top? Either way, it was a bad throw. So mm. it, it was just so much of this is on Dak like. And, and, but now it's going on it's six games worth of, I guess, take the Atlanta game out. It, it's five games of on Dak like. We spend all this time focused on Dak, and that makes sense. Where else in the offense do you see the flaws that have to be corrected? Well, the running game needs to get better. Um, that'll help. obviously look at his numbers when he was flying. The running game was averaging 158 yards a game on the ground. Now, you know, they're not getting any explosive plays out of there. We can blame Zeke's health. Tony Pollard wasn't in there last week. I mean, maybe it all just boils down to the offensive. we got to stop saying the offensive line is one of the best in football. It, it's not. Uh, it's not played that way. The, Tyron Smith is hurt again. Is going to miss at least his fourth game this season. Lael Collins has been okay, but certainly not as good as he was in his last full season. Zach Martin's been Zach Martin, but the center's been average, and the left guard has been an issue regardless of who you put in there. So, you know, I just mentioned that. And Tyron's been fine, but is this year 11 for him? Is this the guy that, while still a very good player, the years of him being the best tackle in the NFL, a top two, three tackle, left tackle in the NFL, are those behind them? You know, I guess we'll find out as as the season ends. But here, here's the deal, in my mind. They have four division games left, three division games left, sorry. this is They, they put up 44 on the Giants, they put up 41 on the Eagles, and they, they move the ball efficiently and effectively at times against Washington. Maybe they can get right going into the playoffs, facing teams that they know of to build their confidence up. I, 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 but And if you can beat Arizona, obviously that, that raises your confidence too. But this is just a – I said it earlier. Yeah, Daxon is slump, but so is everybody in the offense. Tell me somebody on the offense that is playing above expectation right now. That's a great question. I don't, I, think there is I, anybody. I don't know who it is. Is there anybody? I'd probably throw Dalton Schultz out there, but not lately. Out. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd say anybody. I don't know who it would be. Corey Clement? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and that part of it is the expectations are so high right. for what they did early on in the season. But again, you created those expectations. You want those expectations. You start. They all need to start playing better, but. I don't know anybody who has played – like, remember, Jacques, we had those things at the morning news, like exceeds expectations, meets expectations, below right. whatever that stuff was for our evaluations. Right. One guy getting to meet right now might be Zach Martin. Is anybody else exceeding? No. Is anybody else meeting? I don't even know if you can say yes to that. Yeah, that's true. It, it, the offense obviously has some problems. The flip side of that – is what the defense continues to do with all these guys that they've got back now with Tank and with Gregory, obviously what Mike has been doing, four more takeaways on Sunday against Washington. 
I'm sure you already read Jacques' wonderful article in the Dallas Morning News about this being a championship-level defense. Do, do you see that as a defense that can win some of these games as they progress into the playoffs if the offense continues to falter? I only read Jacques' stuff when it's on the undefeated, so I don't know that he writes, <laughs> writes for the Dallas Morning News. Um, do I think this is a defense that can win a Super Bowl by itself? No, I, I don't. Um, the Washington game they gave was the first time there where I think it was maybe just one play of 20 yards. It might have been a second one in there, but I, I had to go back. I haven't gone back and double check where they kept the big plays in check. Part of that I wonder is for all the folks who thought Taylor Heineke was a really good quarterback, that got exposed. He's just a guy, not even a guy. Like, if Washington thinks he's their starter, then the Cowboys will love that for the next five years. I still have, you know, Mike is excellent. Talk about exceeding expectations. Mike is excellent. The, Gregory, the play he made was the Marcus Ware like. Lawrence, we know what he's going to be with the effort that he's going to give. Diggs had a really good game against, against Terry McLaurin before McLaurin got hurt. Didn't even he didn't have a catch the entire day. But I still think there are holes that can get exposed when you're playing against. And let's be honest, they're going to play against Kyle Murray, Tom Brady. Uh, Aaron Rodgers or Matt Stafford. That's going to be a tall task. And I don't know if this defense, while they'll be confident and, and the numbers will say great things, I, I don't think they can go in thinking they're going to win a playoff game 20 to 17. No, they got to get the offense, no doubt. But I think why the defense is now championship caliber is they got all these playmakers who can change a game at a moment. And so those quarterbacks aren't going to give you very many opportunities. And so when you get them, you got to take advantage of them. And sometimes like Randy Gregory at a pass rush, you can make it happen. Yeah. And, and again, the last time they played Tampa, Tampa put 42 on them, I think. And Aaron Rodgers, that game, can we just book our fights for Green Bay for round two of the playoffs? Like, <laughs> that's going to happen, right? I mean, I'm sure it is. I mean, it just seems inevitable at this point. Um, and you know, I, I you know the guys I mentioned, you know Stafford's not he, he's won a playoff game maybe, um, but and he he was great last night, but he, a whole lot of questions too. I mean, anything with Calamari until you do it, until you and, and, until you build up the resume. I don't. There's always going to be questions about guys like that. So I do think that their ability to take the ball away is going to help them greatly. In the first round of the playoffs, the wild, if we still call it the wild card round with an extra team in there. But I, once you get past that, when you're playing the ultra-top quarterback that won't give you the chance, that's where I'm curious to see how this defense reacts. When you look at this team, and I'm just kind of curious because we've seen some of the outbreaks happening, and you had, I saw you tweet earlier, Cedric Wilson is going to be placed on COVID-19. Some of these other teams are getting hit like crazy. I know Odell Beckham Jr.'s got it with the Rams, and some of the guys that played the other night, like the Browns are having a massive problem. Is there any concern with the Cowboys right now of th- just this time of year about a-, a potential outbreak with this? Well, maybe their outbreak was the last couple of weeks, right? And, and it could and be, it yeah. Started mostly started with the coaches. Um, you know, all of their unvaccinated players, they're, they don't even get tested now, so of the guys, you know, Amari and Neil, they're not even getting tested now, so you wouldn't know if they had it. Um, but there has to be a level of concern. And I, I you know, 
I don't think they're in the intensive protocols, but I know they will be above the standard of whatever the minimum the league has because there is a, a worry that this can get you at any time, um, even if you're doing the right thing. And look, besides Amari Cooper and Keanu Neal, everybody who's had it on this roster is a vaccinated player. So whether the symptoms are severe or not severe doesn't really matter. Like, you're, you're going to miss a game. Uh, depending on the timing of it. So you're, you you better have your back into your roster ready and, and able to contribute and helping because you're going to lose guys. I think you almost have to go in with that mindset that this is going to get everybody, every team at some point. Maybe, they, like I said, the Cowboys are through theirs at, at this point. Maybe. maybe. But I, I don't know if you ever – it's like you're waiting. This is always going to be that the call at 2 a.m. Right, you're always going to be sleeping with one eye on the phone with with this thing, and this seems league wide. NBA seems like the the NBA is getting it too, or the NHL is having the issue. So, I mean, it's it's not going away. So you better be prepared to deal with it yourself. I don't know, man. I don't know. Green Bay, January Cowboys. Woo. Maybe it's Tough. time to, to, you know, you, you go back and, and this time the call is made and the Cowboys win and knock off Aaron Rodgers and it's wonderful. And Mike McCarthy's 2-0 and in those games. So yeah, see? Cowboys have that going for them. I'm sure he'll want, he'd want to win that game more than any game he's ever coached in his life, except maybe the Super Bowl. Uh, for sure. Pittsburgh. But, I mean, it doesn't have, I mean, let, let's be honest. They're going to be either the three or the four seed, the way that it's shaping up. Tampa plays nobody basically the rest of the year. Um, Green Bay is number one right now in the in the NFC, and they play Arizona. So they got to hope Green that, that Tampa, they can't lose. The Cowboys can't. They got to hope that Tampa loses twice because Tampa's got the tiebreaker on them, right? And then they got to beat Arizona. So that's why I'm saying more likely they're going to be three or four. And I would. You know, if you're four, you're probably playing the Rams, unless Arizona just kind of fits the bit here. But you're playing the Rams as the top wild card team. I don't want that one. I'd much rather play whoever the heck of this group of six and seven teams that, you know, Atlanta can make the playoffs. Well, we thought the Cowboys did to Atlanta, right? I mean, I'd rather play one of those teams. So I'd rather be – seeding's going to matter here, and not just for – home field all the way but even your first round opponent yeah that's true man i mean i was just looking at it right now and you're exactly right because as weird as it is right now washington would make the playoffs as that last wild card team yeah i mean that is Look weird the groups in there i mean minnesota's in there atlanta's yeah. in there philly? washington's in there yeah philly's yeah i mean you got all, so if you're if you're the three you're playing the six seed right is that that's right. One, yeah, because two uh, two plays the seven. Yeah, play. yeah, yeah. So I don't think they'll be able to finish second, uh, just because it's going to be Green Bay and Tampa Bay in some order, I would imagine. So it's really three or four that you're fighting for at the moment, and and three three gets you with the Tampa probably in round two. And I I don't think they would go down to Tampa saying they got no chance because they played them really well in, in the opener. So that, that would be a fun round two game, too. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you'd rather go to Tampa at that part rather than you're going up to the frigid tundra and Green Bay and everything that's happened up there. Yeah, I, I would just, 
if you got to play in Green Bay, let's make it be the NFC title game for once. Yeah, that'd be, and just speaking of travel to get to Green Bay, I'd rather go to Tampa Bay <laughs> for a Friday <laughs> No doubt. What? You want to fly into Chicago and Milwaukee uh, and drive? <laughs> no, I don't want to do wrong that. With that. What's wrong with that, bro? Uh, no, that's, that's a bad drive, especially after the game, to get back if following a potential loss where you got to drive through the bad weather and the fog and the snow and the ice. No, thank you. I'm good with that. All right, Todd Archer, as always, man, we appreciate it. Good stuff. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, folks. All right. There he is. That, of course, is the greatness of Todd Archer. As always, brought to you by our friends at BlueStarMotorGroup.com. As we told you earlier, Deb is awaiting your call. Very easy to get in touch with them, either on the website at BlueStarMotorGroup.com or the number. You just pick it up, you shoot her a text, give her a call, 817-881-4066. It's Blue Star Motor Group. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy. Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.